get to Nebraska. So take your Bibles, if you would, tonight, and uh, we are in the book of Deuteronomy. And if you're visiting with us tonight, uh, there is uh, a copy of the outline. And, of course, it's, it's really kind of a small little booklet. Anybody got in here did not get one tonight? Raise your hand and want to make sure everybody got a copy. Anybody at all? And uh, there you go, Brother Gosselin. Thank you for helping out. And uh, we're going to cover those that have been here before on Sunday nights. Uh, you know that we, we cover a lot of territory. And I will say, and I've said this many weeks, that um, I, there's no way, there's no way, this pastor could tell you the same thing. There's no way you can do justice to any one book of the Bible in one service. Um, this is not meant to be an exhaustive study of this particular book tonight. Uh, it's more meant to be an overview, uh, just to try to familiarize us with these books so that when we're reading our Bible or studying our Bible, that we understand how each book fits into what we call the canon of scriptures. And the word canon is a measuring rod or a rule. And of course, we understand that all 66 books are inspired of God, that God has given his word. And uh, there are a lot of other books that people talk about that are extra biblical books. They, in other words, they're not inspired of God. They're man's books. And maybe you've seen a few of those or read. Uh, again, I, I don't know about you, but I don't have time to mess with something that's not God's word. I want to spend my time reading the word of God is what I want to do. Especially here at church, we, want to, we, we realize the richness and the power of the Word of God. So on uh, Wednesday nights uh, last year, we were covering the New Testament books, and then our schedule kind of shifted this year, and uh, I was praying about what to do on Sunday evenings, and some folks said, Pastor, are you going to do the Old Testament books? And so that's where we're at right now. So we call it Route 66. And if you notice there, just a visual, you have the books of the Old Testament. And of course, we started with those first five books that are stacked up that I would call orange, but I know that I may be color challenged. But uh, these first five books are what is known as the section known as the law. And that's what we've been studying. Now, we're on the fifth book tonight, and that's where we're going to pick it up. And so if you have your Bibles there... I want you to notice what it says in verse number one, and then we'll get to your outline. The Bible says, These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan, in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazaroth and Dizahad. These, uh, there are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the 14th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. And so that is, that's how the book begins. Now, some of the Newer Testament books are more considered to be a letter than they are a book. And oftentimes you see, just like if we were to write a letter, which is almost a lost art form nowadays, 
But if we were to write a letter, maybe even a love letter, you would, you would give a greeting and then you would, the body of the letter, and then you would have maybe a, an ending, uh, you would sign off somehow and, and uh, you know, you might even be one of those people that put PS and then PSS and so on. But you don't necessarily see that when you come to these larger books and tonight the book of Deuteronomy. Now in your notes, I always like to give a title to each one of these books and this one I call the book of preparation for possession. Now, that's what the children of Israel have been doing. They've been traveling, they've been wandering for how many years? 40 years. That's a long time to wander. And they've been traveling around, wandering around, and and of course, we all studied and we understand why. But remember, they're on the verge of taking the land that God had promised to them. Last week, we talked about how there were 10, 12 spies that were sent out into the land, and 10 were bad and 2 were good. And those two were Joshua and Caleb. Next week, we're going to move into the book of Joshua. But tonight, we're talking about this matter of preparing. And I've, I've said it many times. Listen, you study the Bible, here's what you find. Preparation always precedes blessing. So look, if, if you want God to bless your life, you have to prepare yourself. You come to church, if you want God to speak to your heart, then you need to prepare your heart before you come. If you're going to uh, maybe till the land, farm, or maybe have a little garden, you have to prepare the soil if you're going to be blessed with a crop. So here's what we see in the book of Deuteronomy is it's a book that is preparing them for possession of what God has promised to them. Now it says this is the fifth book of the section known as the law, the fifth book of what is called the Pentateuch. And you see them here with their Hebrew names. And again, Penta is five. And of course, the word Tuch is five things or five, in this instance, five books of the Pentateuch. And this book is called, the name is called Second Law. Now where we get that from is you have the word Deuteronomy, Okay, so the word there, deuteros, is two. Okay, deuteros means two. Namas means law. So if you put them together, it's the second law. Now let me explain in just, just a thought here tonight that it's a second law is what it's called. Not that it contains new laws. Remember, the law was given by God to Moses It doesn't contain new laws, but that the laws that were given at Sinai are reviewed and they're commented on. What is the key to learning? Repetition, right? That's how we learn things. Uh, Nobody remembers, well, there might be a few people that have photographic memory, but nobody remembers everything that they hear, everything that they study, everything that they read. So how do we learn it? How do we retain it? How do we hang on to it? is we have to go back and review it. That's why, again, we, we think about many times how we've learned something over and over again, and yet we still struggle with it. So even though this is called second law, it's not new laws, it's just a review and some comments about the law that was given. Notice what it says in Deuteronomy 29.1, These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. 
So this, again, is a review of the law. New situations, and there were some new problems that began to arise that were not covered in the law specifically. We understand. Look, we live in a world that every day, I can probably say it this way, every minute of every day, this world changes. And so understand that just in this day, that there were problems that came about that were not covered by the law specifically, and so there needed to be an application of the law to life situations. Now, this is still true today. Here's what you find is, God's given his word, and it says what it says, and it means what it means. Everybody with me so far? But watch this. If I were to ask you after a service, what did God speak to you about? What did God show you in the message today? Probably every one of you would give me some different answer. Now, you all heard the same truth from the same book, but understand that what God by his Holy Spirit does is he takes his word and he makes application to your life. What's going on in your life? Uh, I find my wife and I, we're going through different stages of life. And so God applies his word to us. You know, I could teach something out of the Bible. I could teach it to teenagers, and then I could teach that same passage to adults, and it wouldn't even sound like the same passage because, listen, it would be the same words of God, but the application would be a little bit different. Everybody understand what I'm saying tonight? So here's what we see is, is that God was preparing his people to take possession, but notice that there were some things that it was the application of the law to the situations of life. Now, the contents of the book of Deuteronomy, the law formally delivered, in other words, it had already been given, notice here, is now being reviewed by a new generation. Why would I say that? Remember, all the older people died. Remember that? So now you have a new generation, and notice more largely, the, the law is being explained to them. Hey, listen, I think it's a good thing when we share the Word of God with the next generations. Uh, listen, if we don't teach our next generation, the world is not going to teach them the Word of God. We need to make sure that we are sharing God's Word with them. And notice here, not only are they explaining God's law to the new generation, but notice to which are added instruction and conditions of blessing in Canaan. All right. Now, let me, uh, if you flip to the back of what you have there, you have this chart that uh, is basically a layout of the entire book. Now notice there's 34 chapters to the book of Deuteronomy. Down at the bottom, it shows you that it begins with the remembrances of the past, things that had taken place in the past. Once you get beyond that, you get towards the end of chapter 4, you see some of the commandments God gives for the present. Now notice there's quite a few chapters dealing with those commandments in the present. And then towards the end of the book, you see how some things are going to affect their future, and then you see the parting words of Moses. Now, Moses was the man God was using in their lives. He was the leader of the children of Israel. And remember that as Moses shared things with them, they were not the words of Moses. It's like I remind people all the time, God used Paul to pen the words to 13 books in the New Testament, but they weren't Paul's words, they were the words of God. And so that's how we see the book kind of laid out. You can see there and maybe spend some time, use that chart to maybe help you understand 
the contents to the book of Deuteronomy. Now, I've included in this uh, study tonight for this particular book what I call the necessity of this particular book of the Bible. Three things that I saw. One is, I mentioned earlier, a new generation has grown up which had not heard the original proclamation of the law that was given at Sinai. Now think about this. If we as older adults, and you can use the word old however you want, but listen, if you've been taught, you've been instructed in the word of God, we who have been taught, we who have had God's word preached and explained to us and expounded to us, we have a responsibility to those behind us to teach them, to show them the ways of God. This is what we see as this new generation. Now listen, you can be down on young people all you want, but listen, if we're going to be down on them, it's not their fault, it's our fault. We have to make sure that we understand that there's always, look, I'm not getting any younger and you aren't either. I'm not planning on going anywhere, but I could be gone tomorrow. And I want to make sure that I'm teaching my children and my children's children. And listen, if they want to label me old-fashioned, then so be it. I don't mind being old-fashioned. I think it's a good thing to be in step and in tune with God's way. And so one of the reasons for the book of Deuteronomy is as you come to the last of the books of the law, you see that there's a new generation that needs to be taught. Notice another necessity for the book is a new country. And this is what it's all about, the possession of the new land. And this new country that they're about to go into, guess what? It's a land of idolatry. Now that's the sin that plagues Israel throughout the whole Old Testament. They struggle with that throughout the entire Old Testament was idolatry. God says, there shall be no other gods before me. And time and time and time again... Now listen, can I say, it's easy for us to throw a stone at Israel, but remember what an idol is. An idol is anything that comes between us and God. See, we have our own idols. Might not be a little statue, but understand, we might not have groves and altars that we bow down to, but if we are giving credence to, if we are putting other things before God, those things have become an idol. Can I put it this way, and maybe you've never thought of it this way, and I think she has heard me say this before, I love my wife. I love my wife more than anyone in this world. The only person I love more than my wife is the Lord. But if I love my wife more than I love God, she has become an idol to me. I love the Lord first. I realize that the Lord gave her to me. See, without the Lord, I wouldn't have her in my life. Are you with me? So, look, this land that they were going into, oh, look, it's an exciting thing. They're getting ready to go into a new country. But as they go into it, again, look what it says. There's all kinds of idolatrous worship. And this worship is not the worship of God. It's the worship of idols. And so God was giving them a heads up, a warning that they needed to be careful about what they did. And listen, I think that what God has given us in the Old Testament is for our example, that we can learn from those that make, made mistakes in the past. And so we have a new generation, we have a new country. Notice another reason for the book is new duties. Because as we remember, 
that these duties are soon going to be taken up by them. What have they been doing? They've been leading a, a nomadic lifestyle. Remember how that they had the tabernacle, and when God moved, they moved. And when God uh, came down in the, in the, in, and set up, told them to set up the tabernacle, they would set up camp. Well, listen, now we find a change that they would then go into the land and they would settle in the cities and the villages. They would then till the land and they would begin to work it. And the people were going to be shown the need for conforming their lives and to conduct these new relations and conform their lives and and conduct them according to God's laws. See, uh, look, it was going to be a new way of life. There were going to be new duties, new responsibilities. It's kind of like, listen, when we get married, you know, no longer is it just you, buddy. You now have someone to take care of. Uh, children come along, now you have even more duties, responsibilities. And God says, listen, I'm going to give you something, but along with that comes responsibility. And that's one of the things that we see as we study the book of Deuteronomy. Now, the character of the book of Deuteronomy, is it, it too is a historical book, but it also deals with the law because of the review of it, going back, the reminder of it. The subject of the book of Deuteronomy is a review of God, uh, God and Israel's ways in the wilderness. Now, when I say that, I'm talking about the precepts that were given to guide them in, in the land, and then not only the precepts, but the prophecy concerning Israel's future. Because remember, even to this day, God's not done with Israel. God still has promises. God is prophecy that he has given. And we even see that in the Bible. We see that especially in the book of Romans, chapters 9, 10, and 11. That there is yet a future. Why? Because these were God's chosen people. And so we see here that there is, uh, there is importance to God's ways and, of course, uh, the future for the nation of Israel. The purpose of the book is to teach us in view of the trial of our faith that our unfaithfulness and God's never-failing faithfulness to give us the principles for guidance in the present and then the hope for the future. Now, if you notice those two buzzwords there, as man, what are we? Many times we're unfaithful to our faithful God. God's, God is always faithful. There are many times we let God down. We fall short of the glory of God. And so when we look at the book, what do we find? We find, again, these principles that God has given to us that, that will guide us. I love Bible principles. Look, you need to li live a principled life. Make sure that you build your life, build your home, build your family on the principles of the Word of God. And this is what we see as we look through the book of Deuteronomy. Now, I like to give a simple outline for every book. This one is kind of broken down a little bit different than some of the other ones. It's really in four parts, all dealing with Moses. And of course, this being the last book of Moses, it begins with his first address to them for the first four chapters. He gives, uh, states there, God's guidance for them. Uh, notice from Horeb to Kadesh, and then from Kadesh to Jordan. And then he gives some, to them some of the exhortations to obedience. But again, it comes with a warning. And I mentioned that earlier about going in and what they would face some of the difficulties if they gave into that lifestyle or allowed themselves to allow that to come into their lives and into their homes. Once he makes that first address in the next many chapters, 5 to 26, he gives a second address. And this deals with the law that was given on Mount Sinai. And of course, you notice there the chapters 
and then it deals with some of the other laws, special laws that come along in this particular book. The third address by Moses deals with this matter of setting up the law in the land. And he gives them instructions, making sure that they understand. Now remember, it was a new generation. They needed to know how they would be governed as a people. He gives an exposition on blessings and cursings. Look, we all want to live a blessed life, but we have to understand that there's always consequences. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, separation from God. So he shares with them, look, you can be a blessed people or you can be cursed by God. And he gives that to them. And then he renews the declaration of the covenant that was already given to them. And then the last section deals with Moses' last words. And these last four chapters, notice here he gives his final charge, and then he gives a farewell song. Isn't that interesting? And the end of it, and you find this from time to time in the Word of God, especially in the Old Testament, what we would consider a song that the nation of Israel would sing. He gives his last blessing, and then notice as the book ends, it deals with his lonely death, because remember, he could only go up and see the land. God would not allow him to go into the land. And that's how the book comes to a close. Now, the scope of the book is it's about a period of about 40 years. And uh, again, I think we've been using the same map. And if you notice here before he zooms in, over on the left up here, of course, this is Egypt. And when they left, of course, they made their way all the way down in the bottom of the peninsula here to Mount Sinai, spent the time there. Then they wandered around in the wilderness they ended up in the land of Moab, and then Ernie, take us, if you can, up to this top corner here, and this is where we are up here. Notice Mount Nebo, of course, you see on the other side of the Jordan River, of course, you have the city of Jericho, which they would eventually, I mentioned this morning, walking around those walls. This is the land that God was about to give to this new generation, and of course, this is where they are, and of course, it's taken them quite some time to get there, and so that's just a little visual just to help us to understand where they are as far as location. Now, the writer of the book, I've said many times tonight, is Moses. And I love the fact that the Bible tells us, this is a great thought, Moses talked with God face to face. Now, we've never seen God. But I can tell you that as you look into his word, you're looking into the face of God. We can spend time with the Lord. And he may not physically be here, but as we look, remember the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when we look into the Word, we're looking at God. And the more we're in the Word, the more we learn about God. And the Bible says in Psalm 103, look at verse 7, he made, him, made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. If you want to know what God's ways are, then get into the book. Look in the mirror of God's word and allow God to show you like he showed Moses. And the Bible says he made known his ways unto Moses. Now the children of Israel, they saw, and, and, and listen, many of them saw the acts of God. But God, notice here, they did not know him like the way Moses knew him. Moses knew his ways, the Bible says. See, there's a lot of people, I grew up in church, many of you probably did too, and we knew about God, but we didn't know God. And Moses was a man that knew God. Now, the book of Deuteronomy is a great book because the result of this 
book is it's an intimate knowledge plus the experience of 40 years in the wilderness. I mean, they were the benefactors of spending this time, especially Moses. Now, as the book was written, it was written again primarily to the new generation. This was the group of people that had been born after they left Sinai. And so we see this new generation coming on the scene. It was written about 1406 B.C. And again, you just see this following pattern with the other books that Moses was allowed to pen. And where was this one written from? Well, again, it was the last writings of Moses. And you saw on the map there, it was in the plains of Moab that the book of Deuteronomy was written. The key chapter is chapter 29. Chapter 29, which actually deals with what is known as the Palestinian covenant. Now, you're not going to see that word in the Bible. Really, what this is making reference to is it's making reference to what is oftentimes called the land covenant. God promised them the land. And remember how the spies went in and they began to talk about how big the people were and, and all these things that, you know, we cannot go in. And, of course, God, God had promised, and, of course, he allowed Joshua and Caleb to be a part of those that went into the new land. And so we see this in chapter 29, this covenant that, that God gives them for the land. Now, the key verse is chapter 6, verse number 5, and look at the verse. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That includes every fiber of our being. You know, a lot of people say they love the Lord, but they don't love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. And this is an important verse that we need to make sure that we take to heart. The key words, if you look at that verse, key verse, the key words are the words obey and the words love. And you can see how many times they are used and I love the book of Deuteronomy because when you look at those key words, the book actually teaches man to love and obey God. That's what we find in the book of Deuteronomy, to love him, to obey him. Uh, the motive for our obedience is love. Jesus said himself in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And here it is again, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Now God's love, for man is the motive for his government and the reason God gave his laws. Can you imagine what it would be like if God didn't love us enough to give us his laws? I mean, think about, think about tomorrow. If you were, I know some of you would think this would be great, but if you were on your way to work and there were no, there were no signs on the road, no speed limit, no stop signs, some of you are saying, boy, that'd be great. You know what, there'd be, there'd be car accidents and loss of life everywhere. You see, laws are, are meant to govern us. They're for our good. As a parent, have you ever said to your child, you know, look, I, I don't want you to do this or you shouldn't do it. My mom and dad, when I was a little kid, I didn't understand it, but they told me don't play in the street. And I love to play in the street. There was no obstructions. You know, we could play kickball, do whatever we want. What I didn't realize is that every one of those automobiles weighed a couple thousand pounds. And if I wasn't watching, then one of those cars could easily take my life. And so God gives his laws to us. He gives his government. Listen, government is something that God has established, just like God established the church and the home. 
and God establishes government. Now, man's love of God is the motive for his obedience. Look, if you love the Lord, then you'll obey him. It's that simple. You know, I don't have a problem obeying the Lord. If God says that I should be a witness, look, I love him, therefore I, I try to witness. Uh, God, I love God, and God commands me to, to give, to tithe, and so I do it. Listen, I don't do it out of guilt. I do it because I love the Lord. The Bible says we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So we find here that man's love of God is the motive of his obedience. And this is not the gospel, but it's the principle of the gospel here. And that, I really believe, is the pathway of blessing. Is if you want your life to be blessed, then listen, love God and obey him. Do what God has asked you to do. And so the key phrase goes right along with this, observe to do. That's what the Bible tells us. Look at Deuteronomy 12.1. These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land which the Lord, your God, the God of your fathers, giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Now, notice there, God says, not, not just when you feel like it, not just for a certain amount of time in your life, he says, all the days that ye live upon the earth. Uh, look, I'm in my late 50s, and God says, look, I saved you in your, when you were 20, and I want you to be faithful, I want you to serve me, I want you to obey me and love me all the days that you're on this earth. I want to stand before the Lord one day and hear those words, well done. And I hope you do too. And God says, look, all the days that you live on the earth, this wasn't just something for the nation of Israel. This is for each and every one of us as believers in Christ. Now, the key thought is the review of the law. I mentioned that earlier, how it's, even though it's called the second law, it's not a new law, it's just the reviewing, it's just commenting on it. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 1, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you for to do them. Now watch this, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. So when I look at that verse there, he says, I want you to do the statutes and judgments. Those are synonymous words for the word of God. God says, I want you to do what I have given you, what I've instructed. And he's telling this new generation that they need to make sure that they are doing the things that he has said. Why? Because if we do what God says, God will bless us that we may live, that we may be able to go in and possess what God has and this is, this is what the blessed life is. Now, the spiritual thought is kind of, kind of simple. Stop and think. Now, many times we don't stop. We just try to think. But God says, I want you to stop and think about some things. And this was important for the nation of Israel at this juncture going into the new land. Now, some of the unique things, I broke this down into New Testament, Old Testament. First of all, the Old Testament, it's neat when you look at the book of Deuteronomy, the Old Testament prophets quoted from the book of Deuteronomy frequently. Now, again, they were both in the Old Testament time period, but remember that the books of the Bible were given over some 1,500 years. And so they didn't, they, look, they didn't have a nice little slimline Bible like we do. 
uh, many times they just had, uh, like, like the Ethiopian eunuch, he had a portion of the book of Isaiah with him. Maybe he had the whole scroll, I don't know. I just know this, the portion he had had Isaiah 53 in it. But see, as we think about this, the Old Testament prophets, they quoted from the book of Deuteronomy many times in the Old Testament. Now, the New Testament, I think, is kind of unique, too, because when you think of the book of Deuteronomy, there are over 80 references to this book in the New Testament. 80. That's a lot of references to the book of Deuteronomy. And one of the neat things is, is that Jesus quoted exclusively from the book of Deuteronomy when he defeated Satan in the wilderness. Remember how the Bible says he was led of the, of the, of the devil into the wilderness, right? In Matthew chapter 4. And uh, now, listen, when I look at what happened in Matthew 4, here's what I find is, and, and again, look, we're all, every last one of us have probably had a time in our lives, and you can't blame everything on the devil. But many times, the devil's going to try to do what he can to sidetrack us, sideline us. The Bible says he comes to, to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what the devil's all about. And, and so the devil tried, the devil tempted, he tried to tempt Jesus. Now the Bible says that Jesus was in all points without sin. He could not have sinned. He was impeccable in his character. Now you and I are not. We have that fleshly sin nature. But the devil took him. Now it's interesting that the three things the devil offered Jesus, they were not his to give. Let me say that again. What the devil offered was not his to give. See, the devil, that's how the devil works. Many times he will make a promise, a promise that he cannot keep. And as he led the Lord into the wilderness to be tempted, the verse that comes to my mind every time I think about the temptation in the wilderness, and you can write this verse down or maybe you know it by heart, is 1 John 2.16. The Bible says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Have you heard that verse before? And so the Bible says these things are not of the Father. They're not things that come down from above. They're things of this world. Now, Pastor, why are you bringing this out? Because, again, Jesus quoted and Jesus made reference to the book of Deuteronomy, especially in this passage where he defeated Satan in the wilderness with the temptations. Well, how did he do that? Well, notice the first temptation, which actually deals, going back to 1 John 2.16, deals with the lust of the flesh. Remember the Bible says, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, is the very first one. This is where Satan says, hey, look, why don't you command that these stones be made bread? Wouldn't that be awesome if you could go outside, find a few rocks and bring them in and command them and those stones would become bread. And that's what Satan tempted him to do. Now, look in your notes there, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3. Here's the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, how the Bible says, He humbled thee, suffered thee to hunger, and he fed thee with manna. This is talking about what God did for them in the wilderness which thou knowest not, or knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know, that God would make you know, in the wilderness, when you had no publics, 
You had no Walmarts that you might know because God's going to make you understand that man doth not live by bread alone or only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. That's what they, the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, remember Jesus quoted scripture to the devil. And we find evidence of that. Notice in Matthew 4 and verse number 4. In this temptation, he answered and said unto Satan, after he, he says, command these stones to be made bread. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but notice here, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He was quoting the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3 in the first temptation. Notice the second temptation as, of course, the first one failed. Notice this would deal with, going back to 1 John 2, verse 16, the lust of the eyes. Now, a lot of people struggle when it comes to the eyes. This is one of the gates that God gives to us. We have the ears, the hearing, and the smell and, and taste. But the eyes are something that many people struggle with. And, of course, this is where the devil takes him up and he makes an offer to give him the kingdoms of this world. Now, remember what I told you. The kingdoms of this world were not the devil's to offer. But yet, that's what he did. And so the Bible says in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at verse 16. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Now, Jesus was quoting that verse in Matthew 4 and verse number 7, where he said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So again, Jesus, by the way, good, good learning lesson for us tonight. There is power in the word of God. When the devil starts bothering you, just start quoting scripture. Because the Bible says that the devil hates the word of God. And so Jesus was tempted a second time. Remember the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Notice the third temptation deals with, going back to 1 John 2, 16, the pride of life. This was the third thing that the Bible says is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Well, we find that what does the devil do? He makes an offer. And this time the offer is to make Jesus great. To, to give him power. Now think about this. You can't make God any greater than he already is. He is the Almighty. Uh, he's the creator of this world. And by the way, the devil is not more powerful than God. God created Satan. And understand that as we think about this, that the Bible says as he was made this offer, he was tempted in the wilderness. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13, thou shalt Fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. Now, what Jesus was quoting that verse when in Matthew 4 and verse 10, he said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now, I love that I didn't include it in your notes tonight, but the very next verse, here's what the Bible says. The devil left him and angels came and ministered unto him. See, folks, look, we are no match for the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But I will tell you this, that the word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. See, we, look, we cannot defeat Satan 
but the word Jesus can. And I hope that you learned a lesson there. I thought that was a great illustration of one of the unique things about the book of Deuteronomy that we see in the New Testament of our Bible. Now, what's some other things that I think we see which, are, which I think are neat about the book of Deuteronomy? Here's one that I love is it, in here we find a test for how we determine whether or not a prophet is a true prophet or a false prophet. You know, that even in our day, there's a lot of people, there's been people over the years who have tried to predict when the world's going to end. Do you know nobody knows when the world's going to end? The Bible tells us that. But there are fools that will try to make predictions. They'll say certain things. Well, even in the Old Testament, there were prophets that would prophesy. They would say things. And many times, look, I, I, I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of people. And, and again, I, I, I know that I'm not big on technology sometimes. But I think, it, look, TV and live stream is an avenue for anyone. Do you know that anyone could go, you can, you can uh, go online and you can get uh, certified. You can actually become a minister by paying like $18. Now, don't go out and do that, all right? But there's a lot of people out there who claim to be telling other people the truth, but they're telling people things that are not the truth. Well, in the book of Deuteronomy, we find that God gives a test. And I think it's, it's still true in our day, is look, if somebody is saying something, well, what do we do? Do we just believe it because they claim they're a prophet? Well, notice what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 18 and verse 20. But the prophet which shall, notice this word, presume to speak a word in my name. In other words, he says he's talking for God, or I have a word from God. Notice, which I have not commanded him to speak. So he's talking on his own. He's not saying what God's given to him. Or that shall speak in the name of other gods, little letter G. Even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, well, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? Here it is. Look at the test. When a prophet speaketh, in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, in other words, if it does not come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, by that prophet has spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. God says, look, if it's something, see all the promises of God, not one promise has ever fallen to the ground. Everything that God has ever said that was going to happen has either happened or it will happen. But see, there are many, even in our day, who are false prophets. Uh, people today saying that they've received new revelation from God. Folks, there is no new revelation from God. And by the way, what are we doing with the revelation God's given to us? We need to study it and read it and teach it and preach the Word of God. And I love this. In the book of Deuteronomy, he gives us the test on how to determine if a prophet is true or false. Notice another thing that I think is unique about the book is we also find the first mention of what we find in the New Testament known as the Great Tribulation. Now look at these verses here. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 4, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou shalt seek with him, 
uh, with, with all thy heart, with all thy soul. Now look at the words. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. See, God is a faithful God. God is not, look, people think, and there's many misunderstandings about uh, the rapture and when the saints are going to be taken out of this world. Can I tell you that, listen, the Bible says, comfort ye one another with these words. There will be no comfort for those going through the tribulation. God has not intended his people, the church, to go through that time period. And that we see here, even in the book of Deuteronomy, a mention of the great tribulation. Now, one thing I did see, I always like to look for how the Lord is magnified going with our theme for the year. And I think in the book of Deuteronomy, Christ is magnified as the coming prophet. We've seen this before in the Old Testament, but Deuteronomy 18, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the days of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up, Notice capital P, a prophet from among their brethren like unto me and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Remember, when Jesus did come, what did he say? He says, I came not to do the will, uh, my will, but I came to do the will of him that sent me. And Jesus was all about his father's business. And the Bible calls him a prophet that God would raise up among them, and we see again him magnified as the coming prophet. Now, as we close this book tonight, again, not doing justice to the book of Deuteronomy as a whole, but just trying to share some thoughts with you. Uh, one thing that I see, and I love this, is the book of Deuteronomy can be viewed as a book of transition. Now, when you think of transition, transition's not a bad thing. Matter of fact, transition's a good thing. We do know that the book of Deuteronomy takes us from the, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, the books of the law, into the next section in the Old Testament of our Bible. Actually, we see it even in the Hebrew Bible and how their, theirs was put together too. But when we look at this, I want to show you uh, four things that I see about this transition that the book of Deuteronomy marks. Notice, first of all, that it marks a new generation. Now, we've talked about this already, and it says, with the exception of Caleb and Joshua and Moses himself, the old generation which came out of Egypt that was numbered at Mount Sinai, they've all passed away, and a new generation now has grown up. So that's a transition. All those that, that, uh, that, that were there before are now gone, and there's a new generation. So that's transition number one. The second transition that I see is a transition to a new possession. Remember, this was to prepare them for what they were about to receive. The wilderness pilgrimage was to give place to the national occupancy of what is known as Canaan. And so we find here again that 
as they wandered around that they were going to eventually go in and take the land, the new possession. It also is transitional because it marks the transition to a new experience, which would be the experience of a new life. Now, I mentioned this earlier, it would now be houses instead of tents. We find that they would now settle in habitations instead of wandering around, instead of a wilderness diet of of maybe manna and quail, they now would find a land flowing with milk and honey and corn and wine and so on, and we see the transition to a new life, a new experience, and the fourth transition is to a new revelation of God. Now, this is great because I think this kind of bleeds over definitely into the New Testament of the Bible, and that is the revelation of His love, because from Genesis to the book of Numbers, the love of God is really never spoken of. If you look in those four books, Genesis, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, or Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you, you don't really find mention of God's love in those first four books of the Old Testament. But when you get to Deuteronomy, we actually have these wonderful words about the love of God. Notice a few verses here, and there are others. Deuteronomy 4.37 because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them, brought them out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt. Deuteronomy 7, the Lord did, set, did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Notice also in Deuteronomy 23, nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Now, you don't see that in the first four books of the Old Testament, but when you come to the book of Deuteronomy, you see this fourth transition, which deals with the revelation of God's love. And I think it's a wonderful thought here. Now, when we speak of the transitory nature of the book of Deuteronomy, a couple things in closing tonight is, I think it's interesting to mention that as you look in the Old Testament, what do we find? That the Old Testament begins with five books that are books of history from Genesis to the book of Deuteronomy. When you go to the New Testament, the New Testament also begins with five books of history, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. Those are also books of history. It is also striking, you see a parallel between the book of Acts, the fifth book, in the New Testament, and the book of Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book of the Old Testament. Both of them, you see some parallels between them. For instance, the book of Acts, like the book of Deuteronomy, marks a great transition. It marks the transition from the message of the Gospels to what is known as the Epistles. We find that, like Deuteronomy, the book of Acts marks the transition to a new generation, a regeneration in Christ. Like Deuteronomy, it marks the transition of a new possession, a spiritual Canaan with all the blessings in the heavenlies, or the Bible says that we are now in Christ. 
like the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Acts marks the transition to a new experience. The Bible calls it a new birth, that we are born again. We have new life, a new dynamic in the Holy Spirit of God. We're thankful that the Holy Spirit is the one who has set us free. Like the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Acts marks the transition to a new relation and a new revelation of God, and that revelation is given in what we call the church epistles. Look, a lot of times people say, well, why do we do things the way we do them? And again, we find our instruction from the Word of God. And I find, again, this transition that we see in the book of Deuteronomy, we see it also in the New Testament. And I think what's equally remarkable is that both Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the one group, and the book of Acts, the fifth book of the other group, are books in which God gives his people, look at that, a second chance. Now, that's the mercy and grace of God. And, you know, you think about how that you get to the New Testament, the primary audience in the book, first four books of the New Testament is the nation of Israel. And the Bible begins John's gospel with, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus was put on trial and his own people cried out, crucify him, crucify him. But what does God do when you get to the book of Acts? He established his church and he begins to use individuals like like Peter and Paul and others, to reach out to the nation of Israel, giving them a second chance. Because the Bible says, because of the unbelief, the gospel went forth to the Gentile nations. Well, when you come to this book of Deuteronomy, what do you find? That the nation of Israel has turned its back on God. That the nation of Israel, through unbelief, time and time and time again, God, God takes that generation away, and there's a new generation that's about to go into the land. And what does God do? In his mercy and grace, he allows this transition. He's given the nation a second chance. Aren't you glad that God gives us a second chance? And God never gives up on us. You know, I, I read Romans chapter number one, and listen, there comes a time where God will give us up. But God, time and time again, is long-suffering and patient towards us. And I love the book of Deuteronomy. So many great things here, but again, the book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law to this new generation, and he's going to do that by Joshua's charge because, remember, Moses is about to pass off the scene, and the man Joshua was standing there waiting in the wings because God is already preparing someone to take his place, and that man's name is Joshua. And so the book of Acts is also a great book because it's the second offer of the kingdom of heaven to the nation of Israel, to the Jewish people. So there's, there's the book of Deuteronomy, a tremendous study. Again, I hope that maybe you grab something from that. Maybe the chart will help you as you read through it, study. Next week, we're going we're gonna to get into the book of Joshua. And if you want to try to read through it, there's 24 chapters. That means you'll have to read a little over three chapters a day. But listen, we can do that. And we can read through this. And then when you come next Sunday night, you'll kind of have your mind set on the book of Joshua. I love how the book ends. That's, that's my wife and I. That's our verse that we use for our family. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And a lot of people make choice to do whatever. But I'm glad you're here tonight serving God. And so let's stand to our feet tonight. And thank God for what we've, what we've experienced in his word tonight.
Lord, bless your word. I pray that you'd be with us this week. Be with all in our church that are not able to be here tonight or today. Lord, that you would meet their needs, that you would meet their physical needs, their spiritual needs, their emotional needs. Lord, we love them. We miss them. And I pray that you would bless each one that's here tonight, that you would bless your word most of all as we go out into this world. Lord, may we understand the importance of your word in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.